Hey everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings and the Packers. There's been some reports out there that the Packers just aren't who they used to be. Can Aaron Rodgers get it done with Devontae Adams? Can Kirk Cousins and KOC become the new face of the NFC North? We'll talk about that up next on the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. As I, as I mentioned, we're going to talk Packers, Vikings, what, what is the season going to look like? Are the Bears and the Lions even in the conversation? Or is this just another edition of two-headed monster in the NFC North? And those other two teams are going to fight for the bottom. Well, we know the Lions on hard knocks. They might have something to say about what a lot of these ESPN people are saying about the Packers. Because maybe they're getting overlooked and it's just about the, not just about the Vikings. It's about them too. But before we jump into that, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and I talk football every single day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together all the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed on LockedOnSports.com backslash Minnesota or wherever you find your podcast. And find our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. Well, as I bring Sam Extraman to the show, my producer, Sam, the Packers have been uh, knocked down a peg. You know, this offseason for them, Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. Devontae Adams wasn't happy with the amount of money once Aaron Rodgers got it, and he knew, if this guy's getting this much, how can they pay me? You know, and, and then he goes to the Raiders, and he makes comments about, hey, these guys are throwing the same ball. Maybe Aaron just benefited from Jordy Nelson and him and all these top receivers that Aaron Rodgers has had and all this top offensive firepower where the Raiders have always kind of been that weird AFC team that you really don't know what you're going to get out of them. Like since 2002 when John Gruden um, – left and then they end up still going to a Super Bowl and play John Gruden against the Bucks. The Raiders just haven't been the same. I mean, we remember the tuck rule with uh Charles Woodson. Maybe maybe that ended it for them. Maybe that was kind of like the 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 bad luck, you know, broken mirror for the Raiders because now Devontae Adams is there with Derek Carr and he feels like he has the same thing he had in Green Bay. But Sam, you brought up a question that somebody mentioned or a statement that somebody made on ESPN. What's the statement of the day? Yeah, so Bill Barnwell, probably one of the top NFL writers out there for ESPN.com, he targeted five teams that he thinks will decline. One of them, the Green Bay Packers. Now, Barnwell, in the piece, he acknowledges that he's predicted the Packers decline each of the previous two years. And what have they done? They've gone out and won 13 games. So can they do it a fourth year in a row? Can they win that many games four years in a row? Um their roster is pretty good, Ron. Remember when we went through the PFF position rankings? 
the Packers mm-hmm. were top five in just about everything except wide receiver. So that's yep. potentially their downfall. But can Aaron Rodgers keep this up for another year? Um, I I feel like it's hard to sustain 13 wins, is it not? The question is, can they drop down to 10 or 11? And if they do, I feel like that puts the Vikings in the mix. Yeah, so here's where I, where I go with their schedule. Okay, so you look at the preseason. It does not matter. They do have the Chiefs coming up, but nobody's going to play. Week one versus the Vikings, it's a toss-up. Uh, they can beat the Bears. The Buccaneers, it's a toss-up. Those are questionable ones for me. But I think they get – so I give them the Bears, I give them the Patriots, I give them the Giants, I give them the Jets, I give them the Commanders. Uh, Tennessee Titans, that's a, that's a weird one because you never know by week 11 what King Henry has done. Is he healthy? Can he still go? What, what's going on with that team? So I'm going to leave that one off for now as well. I go back to week 13, Bears at seven. Rams, ah, you never know. The Dolphins is a questionable one mm-hmm. because you just really don't know what the Dolphins are going to be this year. But I'm going to give them that one eight. Then they got the Vikings. So I'm going to give them one of the Vikings ones. That's nine. And then I'm going to give them also the Lions one again. That's 10. So that's 10 guarantees right there. So for Bill Barnwell to say that, for that 10 He's saying that they will probably either lose to the Vikings twice, which could happen. Um, and then they would also have to, because, I mean, you look at the Bills, you look at the Cowboys, you look at the Titans, you look at the uh, Eagles, and then you got the Rams. Those five. So those five, they have to get three out of those five to get back to 13 wins. That's going to be tough. Like, I, I do see where he's going with that. But the problem about the decline, so the, the answer is, will they decline? I think yes. I, I, 13's a lot. I, I'd say 11 or 12. But the, your question also was, can the Vikings take them? And that's where I struggle because early in the season, I put the Vikings on 11 wins. And then as I start to look at the, the, the Saints get better because it's going to be a neutral field. So good thing they don't have to play the Saints at home. But it's a neutral field stadium. Uh, Vikings have traveled before to London and done well. Um I, I put them back to 10 wins. And so I just don't know. I mean, if they come out the gate and blow the doors off the Packers with this offense and it looks like the 49ers or the Bills or somebody's, you know, well-oiled machine offense, or it looks like the Packers two, three years ago, um, I'll change my tune. But I just feel like right now 10 to 11 wins is about where they're going to be. And if the Packers are right around 11 to 12 wins, it's going to be one of those tough ones where it might come down, which I think everybody's hoping it might come down to that week 17 game. Um, week 17 versus the Vikings, New Year's Day. So everybody's going to pop the bottle on Saturday night, kiss, you know, when the ball drops. And then we're all going to get up, get to the, get to uh, where we're going to watch the game from. And then a 325 kickoff. So I'm looking forward to what that's going to be because I feel like that game is really going to matter. And then it might be one of those things where even if the Vikings beat the Packers, they're going to hope the Lions, which the Lions tend to do, find a miracle way this time to not lose at the end of a game to the Packers. They find ways to win at the end against the Vikings, but the Packers have always, like, Hail Marys. We've seen a bunch of that from Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. against the um, Lions. So for, for what Bill Barnwell's thinking, I, I get it. I understand it. I just don't see it as far as the Vikings being tops, but I do see the Packers declining. Um, and, and I'm glad he threw out the fact that he's said that every year because 
sustainability is one of the hardest things in the NFL. That's why being back-to-back champions and three-peat champions is so unheard of. That's why Tom Brady, you know, with so many rings, it's like, man, how does one guy get that many rings? You know, it's 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 just not something that's normal. That's not what normally happens in the NFL just because salary caps, things change. Um, you know, it's not one of those sports where every year you can just keep doing the same thing over and over. You have to reinvent yourself eventually. Like the, the, the Chiefs came out the gate killing everybody. And then people figured them out. They're like, look, we just got to keep these guys in front of us. Like, let's let them self-destruct eventually on their own. Um, but can the Vikings overtake the Packers? I, I, right now I'm still going with no because you look at Alan Lazar, you look at what Romeo Dubs has been doing in training camp, which I said that when I covered his games a year ago. I said the kid was good at Nevada. Like, I liked him and Carson Strong and their tight end. Like, I thought those three guys were, were, were NFL caliber guys. And two years later, they're in the NFL, all three of them. Um, and Romeo Dubs doing what he did in Nevada, which is take the top off and then one-on-one, you're going to have a hard matchup. And so I think that's another guy, not say Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson did something that a lot of people can't do, but I, I think he has the ability to, to be sustainable in the NFL, especially with, when you're with a team like the Packers who like you. Not sure how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play, um, but they're going to use – I mean, he's going to be a Randall Cobb type of usage guy. Like, they're going to use him as much as possible in as many situations. And uh, Rodgers has gotten comfortable with him. He already threatened him once as far as rookie, stop making mistakes, catch the ball, uh, get in your playbook. And so I think that was the warning shot to say, hey, when, when, when we walk into U.S. Bank Stadium, I need you. Like, you can't be out here dropping balls. But you got the Vikings, then you got the Bucks, then you got the Patriots. So three out of four, I see where he's thinking. That's, that's a tough one um, to kind of, you know, go through. Even though it's not the same Patriots with Tom Brady, it's still Belichick, though. It's still going to be a guy defensively that's going to try to get it. And then he has two easy ones with the Jets and the Giants. Um, one, I think is a try. Yeah, one's a travel one because it's international, 8.30 a.m. And then they have to come back and play the Jets. So that travel, too, like that travel coming from playing overseas and then having to come back and play the Jets, maybe they're a little tired. Maybe they're a little worn down. Who knows? And then they got the Washington Commanders, probably a little bit easier one. And then they got the Bills. And then they got the Lions. So the Packers' schedule is kind of favorable when you think about who they've been. Not who they are, who they've been. If this was the old Packers in this schedule, I'd say 13 wins easy. They don't have Devontae Adams, even though fans, oh, they, he won so many games without Devontae Adams. It is what it is. But I don't know. Sam, what do you think? Do you think the Packers will decline and do you think the Vikings can overtake them? Yeah, there are certain elements that are kind of toss-ups every season, like fumble luck, for instance. Like, are you how, how often are you turning the ball over? Most teams turn the ball over more than 13 times a year. Packers have been below 13 each of the past three years, which Barnwell pointed out. That's something that could change. Like if fumbles just happen to get recovered by the other team, that's something that could flip things. One-score games are kind of a toss-up. Packers are 14-6 and six in one-score games the past three years. Uh, what if they start losing on the last-second field goals instead of winning? They just have never slipped up. They win all the games they're supposed to win. They steal games late because Rodgers is so good in the clutch. But at some point, the law of averages is going to come into play. I think, Ron, the Vikings could have a big say in whether the Packers decline or not. And that week one game is going to be a huge swing to see who's chasing who in the division. I I wonder, Ron, your opinion, before we move on from this topic, do you think it's an advantage for the Vikings? The Vikings kind of have the element of surprise, or will there be like an element of rust or an element of sort of learning for the Vikings that gives the Packers the advantage? 
Well, the one thing we know is when you go into the first game of the year, defenses usually do pretty well because they just have to run around with their hair on fire. Like it's just play fast, play hard, hit people, tackles, keep guys in front of you. Um, if you don't get too tricky, uh, you could do well. Offenses tend to struggle except offensive-minded head coaches. And this is why I say this, and Jeremiah Searles made a great point. Depending on where you stand as a head coach, meaning what room you spend a lot of time in, because um, we've heard Christian Derrissaw and guys like that last year make comments about they hadn't really even hung out with Mike Zimmer or they hadn't really talked to Mike Zimmer because they never really see him. He's always on the defensive side, never really in their room. When your offense is having a bad practice, the entire team is having a bad practice when the coach is an offensive coach. When your defense is having a bad practice and your head coach is a defensive guy, you're having a bad practice. So vice versa, like he said, the offense could be torching the defense, having the best day of their life. The head coach, if he is the coordinator or the defensive guy, he's not happy. He's like, what the F? Like, what are y'all doing? Like, get it together. Like, what are y'all doing? You know, like not, hey, man, way to go offense. You guys are killing it. From an offensive head coach, this is what offensive head coaches tend to do. They celebrate with the offense, and then they just make a comment to the defense, like, hey, come on, guys. Like, come on. We're all here together. We got to get better. We got to work. Like, they're not going to ignore the fact that the defense is getting torched, but they're not going to sit up and act like practice all hell is. And vice versa. I think offensive head coaches tend to, like, want to get better, but when the defense is doing well, they tip their hat to them. I think defensive head coaches have a different mindset because they feel like it's a direct reflection of them. And so I think the rust is going to be on uh, – it's usually on the offense, but both of these are offensive-minded head coaches. I think the rust is – or not rust, but maybe the nerves is more so going to be on the Packers because of the lack of, meaning it's not an injury, so we weren't prepared. You know, this is not like, hey, next man up. This is, this is our team. You know, so if there's early struggles, if the, the receivers aren't getting open, if, if Aaron Rodgers is not protected, Bakhtiari has been out, um, so he's going to be a little rusty. If if he's not feeling comfortable, uh, we have Zadarius Smith, and, and well, at least we know they're going to go into this first game healthy. So we will see a two healthy guys early on. Uh, they're going to get after the quarterback. I, I, I got to tip my hat to the Vikings, and they're at home. So the conversations and the talk that Aaron Rodgers needs to do, hopefully the fans are on it early. Uh, they'll have a long morning to kind of get lathered up and get fed and drink, and they're going to have a concert. So they're going to be jacked up and ready to go for that 325 game. So I, I think the biggest takeaway is going to be it, it's it, the, nod, the nod goes to the Vikings. Then the Packers do have an advantage. Or sorry, and the Packers do have another issue too. They've never seen the 3-4 from the Vikings. Now they practice against it, so they should be a little familiar, but they've never seen it from the Vikings. So I think even that too, it's a different offense and a defense. So I got to give it to the Vikings on that one. But coming up, we're going to talk about this roster. We've been, we've been hammering into the ground. We've got about two more weeks before they got to cut down to 53. It's a tough day in the NFL for everybody when guys go. We're already seeing early tweets from guys like realizing how serious this business is when you see your friend just walk out the door, and that's the last you probably see of them uh, if you don't find a way to stay in contact because that's just what the NFL does. Locked On Sports Minnesota gives you endless Vikings talk with local experts. Get your daily 30-minute dose of sports with CARE 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson going back and forth with co-host Luke Inman. It's fast. It's fun. It's superior sports talk. Your daily Minnesota sports show. Find it by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And Sam, before we jump into the next segment, we have a word from our sponsors. 
BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. I just looked at the Vikings-Packers line, Ron, for week one. Packers are favored by one and a half points at U.S. Bank Stadium. You can find all the lines from all the games this NFL season. You can also find NBA, NHL, golf lines as well. It's all at BetOnline.net, your top online resource for sports wagering information. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So, Sam, this 53-man roster, I think we've, we've nailed down the four, but you have a segment we're calling Keep Them or Cut Them, and I'm going to let you take it away. I've got five names here, Ron. We're going to run through. They're all in the bubble. They're all in the bubble, and you've got to decide their fate. Cut day is six days from now. Next Tuesday, the roster's at 80. They've got to get it down to 53. So let me start with name number one, Jalen Twyman, former six-round pick, second year out of Pittsburgh, had the, the freak uh, accident in D.C. last mm -hmm. year where he got shot, missed the season, and now he is trying to battle for a spot. Jalen Twyman, your thoughts? I think they're going to keep him on the practice squad um, because he's a guy that I don't think a lot of teams are going to even reach out for him just because of the injury um, for being shot. So uh, he has made it back on the field. We Nobody really knows the true like struggle or pain or what he's going through, but the Vikings are getting him through it. Training staff has gotten him back. He's healthy. He's playing. But I, I think when you look at um, all the guys, now you know him and Jonathan Bullard, you also got to look at, who else they can possibly, you know, because Daniil Hunter is an outside linebacker, but he also can play DN in certain sets if they want to bring in uh, Brian Asamoah and put him outside. So there, there's a lot of things you can kind of do with this 3-4 per se. Um, if you want to put Chaz Surratt, or not Chaz Surratt, sorry, if you want to put uh, Lewisine in the box as an outside linebacker because you know it's a nickel. You know, we're going to see Ed Donatel really get creative this year, but I'm going to say they're going to keep him. I'll say they'll put him on the – I mean, I think he'll be he'll probably make the practice squad, um, and they'll keep him. Yeah, I would agree. Practice squad as well. Moving on, linebacker Chaz Surratt, second-year player, former third-round pick. <sighs> Hasn't shown a ton in the preseason. Yeah. Ron, what do you think? Well, Connolly – I, I know he's been on the pup, so I thought if Connolly was healthy, he probably gives you a little bit more at true linebacker, special teams guy. Chaz Surratt, and I'm struggling with this one because if you got Jordan Higgs, Brian Osamoa, Troy Dye, Eric Kendricks, between Chaz Surratt and Blake Lynch, I'm going to go Blake Lynch. And I think Blake Lynch becomes the Mike and the Will because that's how they're calling it, Mike and Will in this defense. But I think it's Mike and Mo, but it depends on who you talk to. Uh, but if you if you look at the Mike and the Will or in, two inside linebackers, they're going to keep five probably. I think Blake Lynch right now gets the nod over Chasserat. And Blake Lynch is also a guy that I would I would pick as well. Surratt just hasn't shown a ton in two years now, and I think that Lynch has has done a lot more. And also Asamoah has been awesome like I'm really right. excited for his career he's probably your like third or fourth linebacker uh how about this one Zach Davidson a guy who <sighs> had an opportunity with Herb Smith Jr. getting hurt dropped a couple balls on Saturday what do you think about Zach that's tough that's really tough because I mean Nick Muse is a the guy they drafted he probably goes to practice squad uh Johnny Munt, Irv Smith, other guys. I don't. I, I'm not 
saying like there might be another guy out there that they're just waiting to get down and watch who else gets cut. Um, so I would think Ben Ellison and maybe Zach Davidson. So Ben Ellison maybe makes it Zach gets cut. But I think either way, I think he gets cut. And then if they bring them back, they're going to bring them back after the cuts. Because I think a lot of times if you make the opening day roster or opening whatever cuts, there's contract stuff in there and then they're obligated to do stuff. So I think they might try to cut them just to make sure that they don't have any gray area where if they cut them again, they own nothing. Um, so I think he's going to be one of those guys that like get the early cuts, but they might get the call back after they start trying to formulate their roster. Cause I think they give them 24 to 48 hours to get it fully set with all the what waiver wire guys and all that stuff. Um, cause there's going to be a, as a new GM, new head coach, new, new, you know, new scouting voice talking to the coach. Um, we, we saw David Cobb out scouting as well, looking at teams yeah. that are going to play for the Panthers and then also possible players they can pick up. We saw Nick Mullins after the Raiders game uh, get get traded for here now. So I, I think that they're going to keep an eye on, you know, possible waiver wire guys that they know uh, or scouts liked that they might want to bring in, a possible rookie that they know that might get cut, that they're like, look, he gets cut from this team, but he can really make it on our team. Uh, I think that's what they're probably going to do. So right now, just gut reaction after watching, you know, plays not being made, like you said, had a chance to really show with, with Irv out. I'm going to say Zach Davison probably gets cut. I'm leaning that way too, and I wanted to love Zach Davidson. I just loved his speed and his height and his wingspan, but you got to be able to catch the ball, and I'm not sure if he yeah. can block either. I mean, I think Ellefson right. can at least block, and that's why he might get the nod. And you're right, there could be a waiver wire pickup who could be their tight end three. Two more for you. Let me put you on the spot with a quarterback. Sean Mannion. Do they keep three <laughs> quarterbacks? And if they do, does Sean Mannion get that role? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I got to go gut reaction. I'm going to say Nick Mullins is probably QB2. Like, I don't see you trading to cut. I mean, you could because it's only a, a conditional pick. Um, but, no, I, I see Nick Mullins being there. And if they're going to keep three, I don't see them cutting ties. Like, why cut ties with your draft pick who could possibly get better under your tutelage mm -hmm. um, with a Sean Mannion where you know his ceiling? You know where Sean Mannion's ceiling is. It's it's We've seen it um, where Kellen Mond, you know, has a chance. And not to say he's Ryan Tannehill, but, you know, Ryan Tannehill took him a while to become who he is now. Like, he, he was terrible in a lot of people's eyes, uh, was a bust in a lot of people's eyes, got cut, and now look at him. He's re reborn like the Phoenix, you know, from the ashes, Ryan Tannehill is not one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Not to say that's Kellamon's trajectory, but just saying, I don't know if you cut ties with your draft pick this early when you can just keep them as a cheaper three. If I'm a head coach too, and I'm a former quarterback, I don't know if I need a veteran voice with my quarterback per se, because I'm that guy. Like I am the veteran quarterback. I'm the 40 year old quarterback that can tell Kirk, hey, look, bruh, this is what you need to do. This is what I'm seeing. Mike Zimmer wasn't doing that at all, like zero. There was zero conversation between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins during game, like of what Mike's seeing out there. So I think that's going to be the big difference too is he – I don't think he's going to say I need a veteran guy because I'm that guy. Like I can do that for him. Uh, I need guys that I can possibly put in and win games if they if Kirk goes down with COVID or something or gets hurt. So, no, I, I think he gets cut. Yeah, I'm not convinced that – Mond or Mannion make it on this roster. But you know what? Mannion is so loyal to this organization and has been here for so long. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him and they say, hey, can you come back to the practice squad? And he might say yes. You never know. Um, yeah. So he could stick around you know, as one of those veteran practice squad guys. Last one, Jalen Naylor, the rookie wide receiver, vying for wide receiver six. What do you think? Yeah, uh, a lot of people saying Tristan D- Jackson uh, looks really good. Uh, we'll see. He has one more game, so looking forward to that uh, this weekend. What I'm going to probably say on this one, Jalen Naylor, Naylor is probably practice squad. I think originally it was punt returner, but Amir Smith-Marset seems to have emerged as the punt returner. Um, and so that doesn't leave room for a six receiver that's really primarily going to be your punt returner in this year, uh, where Tristan Jackson's kind of been making plays if you do keep six. I think it's him. I'm still leaning toward five receivers and Jalen Naylor on the practice squad. I think that's going to kind of be the route. They got rid of Albert Wilson, so we know B.C. Johnson and Amir Smart from our set right now are four and five. I th- I think they probably cut another receiver, and then you know Blake Pro and all those guys get either released or they stay on the pup list or something or practice squad. You know, uh, health unhealth. You know, unable to perform list until they're healthy and they can release them, or they just cut them and give them a severance. Um, but I, I'm going to say Naylor's probably practice squad with because that gives you the ability to move them up if you want to activate them for a game. Like you're going into a game, you're like, hey, we do need six. We don't need as many quarterbacks uh, or we need, you know, we don't need as many running backs because we keep saying four to five running backs and, you know, slash fullback. Uh, they might not need them. So that, that could be one where they drop, you know, Ty Chandler to a practice squad. So, yeah, but that that uh, that's where I, I'd go with that one. I'm going to say keep on that one just for the simple reason that I think if you're keeping wide receiver six, I think you're going to keep your draft pick over Myron Mitchell or um, Tristan Jackson, guys you didn't select. I think they will think they would keep Naylor. So that's my logic there if they keep six wide receivers. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that. That's, uh, hmm, that's going to be a tough one, though. They got some tough decisions to make. But coming up, now it's the fun part of the show. We got some questions we didn't get to earlier this week. So Sam's going to throw them out there. I'm looking forward to these. It's the daily three, and you know what that is. That's three questions, three minutes each, and Sam's going to run the show. But before we jump into that, make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Sports Minnesota for endless Vikings talk during the football season. It's free and available on LockedOnPodcast.com backslash Minnesota or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a five-star rating and review and tell your friends all about the shows on Locked On Sports, Minnesota. All right, Ron, I heard you after the game on Saturday on Fan Line talking about Lewis Seen. Where do you think he's at in his development and whether he might have a role in week one? That competition with uh, Cameron Bynum still ongoing, in your opinion, or do you think Bynum has won that job and will Seen have a, have a role to play against Green Bay on September 11th? No, I don't think either's really wanted, but like looking at some of the clips of a scene, like he looks comfortable. Like he, he, I saw cover a corner route um, from the slot, nasty split tight end or receiver. I think it was tight end. And he, you know, he could have been a little bit faster, but he still got over there. I couldn't tell if he broke the play up or not. Cause you can't tell from the ref signaling. I have to go back and watch the game, which I probably not because it's preseason. I don't care. Um, but I mean, just the fact that his movement, you know, he doesn't look lost. He's taking great angles to the ball. Uh, haven't really seen him, you know, get to blow anybody up yet. But of course, nobody's running, you know, running plays out there to to do that kind of stuff just yet. Nobody wants to show their hand. Um, but him being able to cover a, a, a tight end by himself, 
Um, I, I think he looks good. But again, Bynum hasn't done anything to warrant that he shouldn't be out there. So uh, if you don't have to start your rookie and it does, it's not a head and shoulders difference. You know, when you think about where Ed Reed was and his, his, his growth and where he, you know, went from start to finish, Scene hasn't done that. And the reason is because Reed and Demps in the preseason had a bunch of like plays, interceptions, strip fumbles, pump blocks. Uh, so it was a different brand of like, whoa, this guy's got to play. Like, look at these plays these two safeties are making. They're rookies. And they both had like Will Demps had a, a game, a, a game winning pick six against the Lions, I think who it was. And and Ed Reed had a pick against, I think, against the Jets. You know, like it, it just is one of those things where they were in the right place at the right time, but also probably set the quarterback up. So just a different mindset. Um, and now you haven't seen Scene do that just yet. He still has one more game. So maybe he flashes, kills at this game, and they're like, look, yep, this is our week one starter. Uh, but now, yeah, it's still Bynum. But yeah, Scene for sure has a role. Like, he's going to play. Like, I, I, whether Bynum goes into the slot because uh, Chandon Sullivan has to go play the other corner. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement around there. But, yeah, I think for sure Scene has a role in week one. There's no question about it. Yeah, I, I wonder if Scene takes a few snaps from Chandon. I mean, I wonder if they're going to groom him in the two weeks after this game, before the Green Bay game. I wonder if they get Scene comfortable in that slot role, uh, like on third and eight, if they're going to go with a dime defense. They're going to want their best defensive backs on the field. They showed this one time against San Francisco where they had like four safeties out there, and it was really interesting to see. I'd never saw that from a Zimmer defense at all. So I think that he will play. But the fact that Cameron Bynum is getting, you know, the, the night off when they play the 49ers as one of the starters and Scene is mm -hmm. playing the whole first half, that tells me that Bynum probably wins that competition. But you're right. Scene is definitely going to play. Um, I've got another defensive back question for you. The Vikings cut Harrison Hand yesterday in their second cut down from 85 to 80. Hand was in his third year with the team. So that brings the number of cornerbacks down another number. Um, how many do you think they're going to keep, Ron? And who do you think they will keep at the cornerback position? Uh, I'm going to go Cam Dantzler, Patrick Peterson, uh, Andrew Boop Jr., Shannon Sullivan. Those are easy. Uh, Caleb Evans. Um, hmm. I'm going to say Chris Boyd. I mean, I think that's your six. I think those are your six corners. Um, but Chris Boyd actually is a question mark to me. So if I go five corners... I go Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Lewis Seen, Josh Metellus. That's uh, that's nine. Hmm. And and I think where it happened is the Vikings used to get away with ten because Marcus Sherrill's at one point was your returner. They also had uh, Mike uh, Hughes was a returner, so they used to get away with it because they had a corner that would return kicks. We know Patrick Peterson can return them. Uh, punts but he's not what he used to be like he's not taking them to the house um you know and they probably don't want to waste that energy and get them hurt so i don't know i'd say probably five corners now that i'm doing the math because cam bynum gives you that flexibility to play corner and safety because he was a former corner whether they do that or not i see right now possibly nine but it's going to dictate the number of tight ends and running backs they want to keep because we've talked about that and how many quarterbacks they want to keep um because that's going to, you know, those are going to predicate everybody. I think nine for sure, though. Those nine, I think, are the nine. Uh, Seen, Metellus, Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, uh, and then the Caleb Evans, Shannon Sullivan, Patrick Peterson, Cam Dancer, Andrew Booth Jr. I think Chris Boyd is your nickel or your your bubble guy 
that may or may not see the cut block uh, due to numbers elsewhere. But also, we have to remember, and I love this is what I love about the NFL. It's a dirty part of the business where they cut so many guys, uh, where so many guys are waiting up to the last minute, not knowing if they have a job or not, not knowing if they'll be able to pay for the house that they want to buy or the apartment they're going to live in or if they have to move cities uh, because they're not going to be in this city anymore. It, it's a, it is a tough, scary business. Um, cause I've been there going to Chicago, being there for six months. And then all of a sudden I had to pack up and go to Washington being there for four months. And then I had to pack up and go to Canada. Uh, so you just don't know what you're going to get, but that's why I say those nine, uh, because there's going to be guys on that cut block waiver wire. Again, you have to remember the Rams are going to cut guys. Uh, the Packers are going to cut guys and all these coaches, the Denver Broncos are going to cut. these coaches all come from these different walks of teams and different inputs where they can be like, Hey, dude with the Rams is pretty good, man. Like from what I see from Chris Boyd, this guy with the Rams was better. In my opinion, let's, let's, let's try to get him on the waiver wire. You make a call to his agent. Hey, or if he's a true, just free agent, and he doesn't hit the wire. Like he's just out there. You reach out to that agent and say, Hey man, look, I know some of these teams reaching out, but this is what we, this is our plan for your guy. If he comes here. So, you know, it's a little bit of recruiting that goes in that too when guys can pick anywhere they want to go if they have multiple teams that want them. I would put Boyd on my 53 just because okay. if you're only keeping five and two of them are rookies, that concerns me a little bit. So I would want someone who's got four years under his belt to be your number six in that group. Last question, NBA power rankings, Ron. The NBA is not that far off, and there was some big news yesterday. Kevin Durant is staying with Brooklyn, which means he's not coming to the West, which is good for the Timberwolves. Uh, the Timberwolves got the number 12 power ranking, Ron, number 12 in the NBA. Where do you think, the, is that is that too high, too low, just right for the, the Minnesota Timberwolves with Rudy Gobert, Cat, and Ant? So I say it's a little low. Um, the Nets are still unproven. Like you got KD and maybe Kyrie stays. Um, you know, Kyrie still could pull some weird, like, we don't know what Kyrie's going to do. He might light a match, and all of a sudden, he just wants to, like, travel the world. Like, dude has enough money to walk away. So, who knows what happens with Kyrie? Um, ben Simmons, can he shoot? We don't know. Now, does he have to shoot with KD? No, because KD will shoot 100 times. And so, I'm actually, I, I'm actually happy for Ben Simmons, because he has a, an absolute, like, he has two absolute killers, like, I mean, if you've ever seen the movie Hitman with the ball head guy with the red tie, like these guys wear are ball headed red tie guys. Like these are absolute hitmen where they will shoot, they will kill you, cross you over. They do not mind taking the big shot. They will take the big shot with four guys. They have that Kobe in them a little bit. They'll if they're four guys covering them and all four other three teammates are wide open, they're still not passing the ball. They're gonna shoot it and dribble. I mean, we've seen KD do that at fault. Like he's dribbled fifty two times and just throwing up a ball that other three other guys are wide open and they're all looking like, oh man, are you kidding me? Um, so Ben Simmons could get better, but I think the Nets are should not be higher than them. Uh, the Sixers, I get it. Uh, you have James Harden came back and you still have Joel Embiid, but again, still truly unproven as a group. Uh, Denver Nuggets, hmm. I mean, Jamal Murray, I mean, he wasn't healthy, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, Dallas, I get. I, I get where they're going with that with Luka. Uh, I get the Miami Heat because they, they have killers out there. Uh, I get the Clippers, I guess, with, with Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. They haven't really played together, um, but they are a good tandem. Suns, Grizzlies, 
and because of how the the Timberwolves handled the Grizzlies up until a certain point, I feel like they've got to be a little bit closer to the Grizzlies in this. Uh, but Bucks, Celtics, and Warriors, I think they got it. I don't know if which should be where, but I think they got that right. I think the Suns and the Grizzlies. Uh, where I think the Suns probably should be ahead of the Grizzlies, but that's just me. But I know the Suns took an L to the Mavericks. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think the Timberwolves should probably be in that top 10. Uh, when you add Gobert, you still have Anthony Edwards. You got Carlton V. Towns. Uh, they did all that last year without Gobert. Uh, you still got D'Angelo Russell. Uh, and so the, the fact that now Cat doesn't have to guard some of these guys and get into foul trouble dealing with bigs, and because he's not a true post defender, and I think that's where he struggled. And now you have a rim protector as well, which you did not have with Cat, and now you have a true defensive player of the year type of guy. So I think they should be in that top 10. I'm just worried that they've got them seventh in the West. Like, if you look at that list, they've got six teams above them in the West. So are the Wolves going to be back in the play-in round again? And see, that's why no. I think it's too low. I think it's too high, I mean. No. Or sorry, too low, because, yeah, they're not in the play-in. They're, they're better than yes. the Nuggets to me. Um, they're mm -hmm. right there with the Mavs. I'd say they should be seven or eight. But, hey. We don't get to pick this stuff. And that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. That was Sam Ekstrom. We got Matt DeBris back there working the keys. I want to thank everyone that continues to watch, download, subscribe. But like and comment. Let us know what you think on YouTube. Did we get the roster right? Are there guys on the bubble that we think are going to get cut that you think are going to make this team? Is Sam right? Is Chris Boyd DB number 10? Or do they find somebody on the street that can come in and be a little bit more serviceable based off what they think? Is Sean Mannion going to make this roster with the trade of Nick Mullins? Who knows now what this team's going to look like? And the Timberwolves. Basketball season's far away, but will they be in the playoffs set? They don't have to play their way in. And are they a top 10 team in the NBA? I say yes. You tell me what you think. And the Vikings-Packers debate. It's the great debate. It's going to be all season long. Who's better? Is it the Vikings or the Packers? You let us know what you think. As far as record go, I know you Vikings fans love your Vikings, but let's think about the record. Who's going to have the better record? Be logical. Vikings or Packers, comment below and let us know what you think. And have a great day.